We're going to be diving in to a series that we've been on over the last several weeks entitled House of Prayer. And, you know, prayer is one of those things that, I mean, just to the average person, it's like, oh, yeah, if you, you know, you're religious. Yeah, you, you got to pray, right? But what we've been learning through this series is that prayer is so much more than the words that we direct to God. Prayer is so much more than the requests that we make of God. Prayer is so much more than religious activity. What we've seen from the words of Jesus is that prayer is a place of meeting. It's a place of relationship. It's a place of deep and intimate connection with God. Look, I don't know about you, but I'm the kind of person that if I'm going to go for something, then I'm going to get it. I'm not going I'm, I'm I'm to half step it. So if you're going to pursue a relationship with God, then why not do the whole deal? Why not go for the whole shebang? Why not begin to pray? Right? Why not begin to really get serious about God's word? You know, I, I want to start off with a, a, a story uh, that I, I feel can really bless us and at the same time encourage us to really see prayer for what it is and to see beyond what, we, what we're used to seeing. It's a story of an airplane that was full of passengers. And these passengers were waiting patiently in their seats for their flight to take off and then all of a sudden, they, they got a little nervous because these two men walk in who were the pilots. They're wearing their uniforms, but they're also wearing these really dark glasses. And they're using canes and feeling their way into the cockpit. Minutes later, the plane starts barreling down the runway. It begins to take off, and the passengers start to get scared as the water at the end of the airstrip neared at a rapid pace. And they, 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 they concluded, you know, it doesn't appear that we have enough room to take off. And so with only a few yards left, everyone on the plane screamed, believing that the plane was about to bow into the ocean, and this was it. But just at the right time, the plane lifted off just in time. Now, the passengers soon settled down, and they began laughing in relief as they reasoned among themselves. You know, it was all a joke. The pilots know exactly what they're doing. Well, back in the cockpit, these two pilots are talking to each other, and one says to the other, you know, one day they're going to scream too late, and we're all going to die. Yeah, as funny as that is. I think that we can all agree that trusting in people blindly and doing anything blindly, for that matter, is dangerous. Would you agree? You know, in the same manner, approaching relationship with God and praying blindly is dangerous. It's dangerous. Why is it dangerous? Because we're lacking important information. We're lacking insight into what actually is occurring and what lies ahead. You know, we must remember that when we pray, we're actually venturing past the temporal. We're actually daring to step into a realm that has nothing to do with the physical, but has everything to do with God wanting to impact your physical life and circumstances. The Bible puts it this way. It says that faith is the substance of that which we hope for, and it is the evidence of that which we cannot see. And so when we dare to pray, when we approach God in prayer with the right understanding and the right perspective about what prayer actually is, I want you to see that the Scripture calls what we're doing Substance. This is where the meat and potatoes is. This is where change is possible. And so if we are to effectively pray, if we are to apply God's wisdom, if we are to live by faith, we must do so with spiritual insight. And see, God does not want you and I to live blindly as his children. He doesn't want us to live absent of his wisdom and the power that's available to us. 
But you see, we will live blindly if we pray blindly. And it's for that reason that today I feel God is inviting each and every one of us to look past me, to look past the four walls of this building, to look past the screen that you're on online, to look past the people around you, to look past the circumstances, and to dare to venture to a place with his word where our eyes are open. Today I want to talk to you on the subject, eyes wide open. Eyes wide open. And so I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 3, starting at verse 20, as we begin to dive into this for context. It says, now to him who is what? Oh, hold up, hold up. All right. Let's try. Here we go, back again. So we're going to go into Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to start at verse 20. And starting at verse 20, it says, now to him who is Able. able, yeah, to do, you guys sound great. To do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we, what? Ask or think according to the power working in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. That word amen there is powerful. Because this is literally what it's revealing is this. God says, so be it. This is what I desire. Now, what is it that God desires here? It's important to understand that prayer is so much more than words. See, God wants us to pray with spiritual insight. God wants us to pray with spiritual insight. And in order to understand that, we must realize the relationship that exists between what we ask and what we think. When the scripture says that God does exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all that we ask, it's literally the word ask there in the original language speaks of a call for or a a request. It's a prayer in essence is is what it's saying. It's a call for something. But notice that you can't call for what is exceeding, abundant, above and beyond without what you think. There's a relationship there. And why is that important? Because when it comes to results in matters of life according to faith and the prayers that we direct towards God, we must know this, that God is never the issue when things go wrong. God is never the issue when prayers go what we call unanswered. Why? Because the scripture tells us this. That God is able to do. And we have to question, what is God able to do? See, God always exceeds. God always abounds. God is always possible. But notice this, that what we ask and think is the work in us. Now, why is that? Why am I pointing your attention to that? Because... For some of us, we have this question, why is it that I'm not experiencing these kind of results? Why am I not seeing exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond what I ask or think? And the reason to to that is closely tied to how we ask and what we think. See, God wants to exceed our expectations but it depends on what you and I see when we pray. You got to chew on that. Let God speak to you on that. The word think here in the original Greek language is the word noio. And noio speaks of the exercise of the mind to comprehend, to consider, to perceive, to think upon, to expand sight. It's what you and I call imagination. And here's the reality. Most pray, but few imagine. I'm going to say that again. Most pray. If you just go by Barner statistics, I believe it's 86% of Christians say they pray at least once a week. That's 52 prayers in a year. Praise God. 
You know what? I will commend you for that. I will commend you for that. But see, here's the thing. It's no use to pray if we don't see with our spiritual eyes. If we don't imagine according to what the scriptures say. See, when it comes to prayer, we pray according to what we see. What we comprehend, what we consider, what we perceive, what we think about. Is it possible that the reason some of us are getting powerless results when we pray is because our imagination depicts a picture that is very different from the very prayers that we're directing to God? Let me put it to you this way. Where does your mind go when you pray? Where's it going? And after you pray, where does your mind go? Where does your imagination direct you? What do you see? Are you praying in anxiousness and expecting God to do something? That's like saying, God, help me, but this problem is too big for heaven. There's not enough juice in heaven to cover this problem. And so, what could your life look like if you prayed with insight into the exceeding, abundant, above, and beyond things that God says and he sees for your life? Come on now. There's a portion in scripture in Mark chapter 8 that I feel is important for us to look at because uh, when we approach the subject of scripture, we, we just look at it from examples of people praying. And there's nothing wrong with that. But today I want to instead look to a biblical example of a request made, uh, uh, um, I'm sorry, a biblical example on a need met by Jesus. See, if you're going to pray with powerful results, it makes sense to take, take a deeper look into how God actually meets needs. That makes sense? And so Mark 8 records a time when the disciples failed to see with their spiritual eyes. Jesus had been teaching the crowds for three days, right? And, and, and uh, they, they, they didn't go and eat anywhere. For three days. Any Netflixers in the house? Netflixers? Come on. You're not going to hell for watching Netflix. It's okay. It's okay. You can, you can tell on yourself. It's all right. Nobody's going to judge you here. You ever, you ever get so caught up? In one of those trilogies, right? It's like three, four seasons, right? And you're just like all into it and you just binge all day to the extent that you forget to eat. You know, some of you are like, yeah, I don't know about that. I, I can tell. You know, I love you, right? Why, why am I sharing that? Because the, these people were binging. On what Jesus was teaching. The Bible says that on the third day after Jesus had taught the people, that he looked upon them and he had compassion because they were hungry and he did not want them to leave without their need being met. And so the scriptures say that Jesus says, hey, let's feed these people. He looked on them with compassion. And the disciples, Mark chapter 8 says, uh, they, they said, they, they responded to Jesus, but where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? Now, just for context, you, it's important that you know this. These are people questioning how these people are going to be fed, but they had an experience previously with Jesus where he multiplied five pieces of bread and two fish. So it's a ridiculous question they're asking, right? But anyway, Jesus entertains them. And he says to them, how many loaves do you have? And the disciples said, seven. And so Jesus says to them, sit the crowds down. Have the crowds be seated where they are. And he takes the bread, and there happened to be some fish that day as well, and he multiplies it. A great miracle happens. And the Bible records that after 4,000 people were served that day, that the disciples collected seven baskets of food that were left over. And so you would think that there's a great celebration here, but there was a group of people known as Pharisees who were just basically religious people. 
they considered themselves experts in everything that pertained to God. You ever been around some of those people? Yeah, those are usually the people that they're just big mouths. You know, they got to tell you about everything they know, and they got to always correct you, right? Well, these guys show up, and they begin to harass Jesus with questions. And one of the things they asked him was, they said, give us a sign from heaven. In other words, prove to us that you're from heaven. And the scripture says that Jesus sighed deeply at that moment. We're going to get back to that point in a second. But in essence, he refuses to give them a sign. And then he leaves with the disciples and they get in a boat. And the scriptures record that the disciples forgot all the bread except for one loaf. And so they're in this boat, and watch what happens in the boat. Jesus is in the boat with the disciples, Mark chapter 8, starting at verse 15. And he says, be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. So he's referring to something that has to do with bread, or so they think. Aware of their discussion, I'm sorry, I skipped a verse, verse 16. They discussed this with one another and said, It is because we have no bread. So they're assuming that he's upset because they left all the bread. And aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Why? Why? Por qué? Por qué? Do you still not, what? See or what? understand are your hearts hardened do you have eyes but fail to what see See. and ears but fail to what hear watch this and don't you remember remember what remember that this is Jesus the one who multiplied bread and fish previously and served 5,000 men and we don't even have a count for the women and the children that were there that day So it was many more than that, right? This is Jesus, remember, the Christ, God in the form of a man. Remember that this is Jesus who turned water into wine. Remember that this is the one who said that with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. See, the disciples thought that Jesus was speaking about matters concerning bread. They heard Jesus, they saw Jesus but they could not hear him nor see him in this moment. They could not perceive the reality of what was going on, what he was saying, what he had taught, what had just happened. Why did they misunderstand him, though? Why couldn't they receive what he was teaching them? And I submit to you, it's because they had forgotten who was actually in the midst of them. I'll draw our attention back to this in a second, but let, let, let me remind you that it is so important for us to look at Jesus as more than this guy hanging on a cross because he's not even there. Right? It's so important to see Jesus as more than just my, you know, my friend. It, that's cool. But he's our Lord. He's our Savior. He's our God. This is the all-sufficient one, the self-existent one. And that Jesus, that Jesus referred to himself as the bread of life. The bread of life. And so for this reason, he goes on to say to them, to ask them at the tail end of this conversation, and you can read this on your own in Mark 8, he says, do you still not understand? Do you still not get it? So for the next couple of moments, I just want to share just a couple of things with you about praying effectively, about opening your spiritual eyes so that you can pray with power. And the first thing I want to encourage you with is this. You must understand that you have spiritual eyes. I'm going to say that again. You have spiritual eyes. Do me a favor. Tell a neighbor You have spiritual eyes? Tell somebody else, and do me a favor, when you do this, point at them. You have spiritual eyes. So, let me ask you a question. 
We're going to dig into this in a moment. What do you see? What do you see? Let's take an eye test for a moment. Are your prayers based upon everything going on around you? Are you moved by what you see in the natural? Are you overwhelmed by what people say is life? I can assure you that if those are the eyes that you see with, then every approach that you take to God is filled with anxiety. See, these disciples, they had the ability to see beyond the natural. But they weren't acquainted with their spiritual eyes. They weren't opening their eyes. Can I just say this plainly? Open your eyes. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. See, you have the ability to see beyond natural things, but have you opened your eyes? Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse 17, the Apostle Paul, writing to the Ephesian church, says this, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Watch this. So that you may know him better. I want to pause right there for a moment because God wants to open our spiritual eyes. But get this, in order for those eyes to be open, we have to be seeking the right thing. And look, if the shoe fits, now's not the time to wear it. The sh- now's the time to change it. I'm going to tell you why I say that. Because for some of us, we approach God not for anything having to do with relationship with God. We approach God just for what we want. We turn to God, and what we're trying to do is use God. And let's be honest. I don't know about you, but I don't want people like that around me. I find that disrespectful. It's an affront. It places no value on a person. Why would we treat God that way? Why do we treat God that way sometimes? Why? See, when your spiritual eyes are open, you will see in the physical, but you proceed differently. Let me read on in verse 18. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart, that's the place of belief, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms. Listen to what the scripture is declaring. It's telling us. Paul's praying. He's saying, man, I'm praying that your eyes be open. Why? So that you can know God, but so that you would also realize that you have everything you need already. You have an inheritance from God. You have provision from God. You are blessed by God. You walk in the authority of God. God is for you and not against you. God loves you. You have an inheritance, the scripture says. We have God's wisdom and revelation. We have the full extent of God's power. When the scripture says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in us, Do you know that in the original language what it's saying is that all God's power was exerted at that moment to raise Jesus from the dead. And then it tells us that that's the power working in us. Now watch this. Watch this. So when it looks bad, but you know that and you are convinced of that, 
You don't worry. Why? Because you know I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Is that enough for you to know what God has provided? Think about that. I mean, I mean, we got to be really real about this. We want immediate. We want now. And then what we do is we take out our bobo, right? In Spanish, we call pacifiers bobos, right? We take out our bobo and we go, I'm not going to church. I'm not praying anymore. I'm not doing this anymore. It's so hard. God's not the problem. Listen, when your spiritual eyes are open, you may get knocked down. As a matter of fact, you will get knocked down at times in life. But you're never down because you know that you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And you know I'm going to be all right because he is faithful. To do everything that he has promised. The next thing I want to encourage you to consider is this. is that your physical eyes are liars. These eyes are deceiving. Listen, the disciples weren't just in company with Jesus. As a matter of fact, they were in great company in the area of unbelief. The Pharisees. Like the disciples, the Pharisees based their perception of Jesus on what they saw outwardly. On a very limited, to a, to a very limited extent, but inwardly, they completely disbelieved him. And so, they came with a request to Jesus for a sign to prove that he was from heaven. And the Bible says this in Mark 8.12, that Jesus sighed Deeply. This is what Jesus did. Some of us, we read that and we, no, no, no. Jesus probably did one of these. Oh. Oh. And then the scripture says that he said this to them. No sign will be given to you. No sign for you. In other words, Jesus goes, seriously? You just saw what happened? And seriously? You're asking for a sign? And when Jesus says no sign will be given, in essence, what he was saying is, you're seeking a response from heaven to satisfy your eyes. But you won't get it because you don't have eyes to receive the miracle that's already in front of you. Do you realize that you are a walking miracle every single day? Do you realize who you walk with? Do you realize the magnitude of the power, of the goodness, of the blessing, of the anointing that you walk with daily? Let me ask you a question. Don't tell on yourself, but be honest with yourself. On which side of this story are you? If you were there in that moment, would Jesus' response to you be, would you be the person saying, well, God, just show me that you're here. Show me that you care. Show me that you, you have an answer. No sign. No sight. Don't have eyes to see. You know, in Jose's international version, that's my version in the Bible, right? It puts it this way. 
Don't, don't believe the hype. You were supposed to go, yeah, that moment. So I know what it is. Some of you are too young, and a few of you are a little too old to remember those days, right? Yeah, boy, yeah. I, 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 somebody's with me here. Listen to what 1 John 2.16 says. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see. And pride in our achievements and possessions, they are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is what? Fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. See, if the reason you pray is to fulfill your craving for what you want, for what your eyes show you, the scriptures are very clear you will end dissatisfied. You will be dissatisfied. Why? Because you believed the hype of your eyes. You bought the lie. <laughs> Listen, physical eyes only show us the immediate. And we would be wise to recognize that our physical eyes, while they show us some things that glitter and appear to be gold, they never tell us the whole story. I prove it to you. How many times haven't you put hope in someone that appeared to be that man that you feel God promised you? That friend that you've been craving? The resources that you've been wanting I mean, it looked good. The paycheck looked good. The job looked good. The people looked good. The circumstances looked good. The move looked good. And so because it looked good, because it feels good, because it sounds good, those are all functions of our physical, our physical attributes. We say, oh, it must be God. But you see, these eyes don't enlighten you to the problems that come with the things that you think are gold. They don't enlighten you to the plot of the enemy. They don't show you the dilemma that's brewing. Physical eyes don't do that. But spiritual eyes do. They enlighten us to the wisdom of God. The next point I want to leave you with here is that God meets your need God meets your needs when your need is based on his word. I'm going to say that again. God meets your needs. We could put that another way. We receive answers to our prayers when your need is based on his word. Listen, Jesus fed 4,000 people that day, but only a few were actually fed. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Think about it. The disciples were among those that he was feeding, not food, truth. He was teaching them, but they didn't consume it because they still failed to believe in him. What weren't they consuming? I alluded to this earlier, but I'll take you back there again. Jesus said in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger. Never. Never be in want. In that same chapter in verse 63 of John chapter 6, Jesus says, The word I have spoken to you is spirit and it is life. It meets you internally and it impacts you externally. It's all that you need. So great was the unbelief of the disciples and the Pharisees. But when it came to the disciples, he warned them about the lies of the Pharisees and he likened it to yeast that spread in the midst of dough. And they thought he was talking about loaves, bread. Let me tell you what I'm, what I'm getting at. They were missing the bread of life. They were missing it. Can I tell you one way that you know you're missing the bread of life? Some of us are chasing after miracles. 
We're chasing a miracle. And we're not even interested in a revelation from God's word. You prefer to live from crisis to miracle instead of living from faith to faith. God, just do it. God, just, just, just give me the breakthrough. God, you just make this happen. And we forget what the scripture says, that we are to work out our own salvation. We're pointing it on God and God is saying, hey, don't forget that I told you that you're a joint heir and we're co-laborers. You know what that means? It's not all on me. We do this together. See, we can't just faith it and name it and claim it and blab it and grab it, right? I'm telling you, man, I've been there. And it's led to frustration oftentimes because I'm just waiting on God. And what we fail to realize is God is waiting on you to walk in faith, to act on faith. The Bible says this, faith without works is dead. Doesn't work. So you don't need another miracle. What we need is wisdom to apply the truth behind all miracles. We don't need money. What we need is the truth in God's word that teaches us how to create wealth. We don't need people to change. What we need is the truth in God's word that changes us and sets us free. We don't need an answer to a problem. What we need is the wisdom of God from God's word that provides us solutions for all problems, that prepares us for the problem before the problem ever comes. And it isn't unto your need for God's word is greater than the wants that you call needs. It isn't until that point that you'll never live and pray powerfully because you're not living by the bread of life. You're living by the crumbs that fall off of this world's table. I'm telling you, God wants you and I to pray with spiritual insight. He wants us to see the power of our prayers. I don't have time to get into this because I'm, I'm running out of time. I'm actually over time. But I want to I just share with you something about praying according to the word. You know, it's not enough to just simply quote scripture when you pray. It's almost like if we're throwing it in God's face. Your word says this, God, so this has to happen. And you're going to have to go study this on your own time. But if you just look in the book of Joshua chapter 1, this is a pivotal moment in his life. He's stepping into leadership. God has anointed him to, to take the people of Israel into this land of promise and conquer all their enemies. And God gives them some wisdom, some foundational keys to overcoming. And one of the things that he says to him is this. I believe it's in verse 8. He says to him, and this book of the law, this word of mine, this revelation that I've shared with you, shall not depart from your lips. And he says, and you shall meditate on it day and night. And then he goes on to tell him, and if you do this, then you shall have good success. And I'll tell you why I share that with you, because for some of us, we hear the word meditate, and we think it means emptying our minds of everything and just sitting in this place of complete silence, empty of all our worries, empty of all our cares, and yeah, I meditated. No, that's not what the scripture is talking about here. The word meditation here is directly a function of the imagination. So let me ask you a question. When the scripture says that by his stripes you were healed and that his will is that you prosper and that you be in health in all things as your soul, your mind, will, and emotions prosper, what do you see when you read that? When you look to the word for answers and it tells you be strong, and courageous, for I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. How do you see the circumstances? How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as helpless and hopeless? Or do you understand that you have all the hope and all the help that you need? Do you see yourself as strong and powerful and equipped? When you hear that the scripture says, when you read that it says that you can do all things through Christ who is your strength. When you hear what the word says, when it calls you more than a conqueror, do you still see yourself as small and inadequate? Yes, sir. 
My friends, we have to realize something, that we can't just read the word. The reason why we are to meditate upon it, we are to begin to imagine according to it, is because before you could ever change your circumstances on the outside, the picture on the inside has to change. The last point I want to leave you with here as we close is this. It's that before you pray about what you must do, make sure your trust is in what God can do. Hear where I'm coming from. The disciples follow Jesus. But their trust wasn't in him. Man, they were concerned with trying to please him by getting some bread. They thought that Jesus wanted bread when what he wanted was their trust. So when they surmised that Jesus was angry because they'd forgotten the bread, Jesus called them out, and this is what he said to them, basically. Come on, man. Really? You think I'm talking about bread? You mean to tell me that you still don't get it, who I am? You mean to tell me you still don't trust me? You mean to tell me that you still think I'm concerned with these temporal things? And then he says to them, think about who multiplied the bread. Who fed the thousands. In this moment, Jesus gets to a climatic point. Because he realizes that those that are among him, those that claim to be religious, and those that claim to be his followers, they're not getting it. And he goes... See, one of the reasons why this happens, where we're still not getting it, where we're still not trusting God is because some of us make the mistake of putting our trust in the act of prayer. We put our trust in the fact that we prayed while not putting our trust in the God whom we're praying to. You're going to have to go back on YouTube and listen to that and chew on that. We put an emphasis on the religious things we do, and we completely bypass God. So before you endeavor to pray, make sure that your eyes are open. Check. And make sure that you're approaching God with trust and that you're not looking to anything else, that there are no alternatives. I leave you with this as we stand and close. Let's stand. James chapter 1, starting at verse 6, says this, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea. He's blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded. And they are unstable in all they do. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. God says, the power to your prayer is not in what you do for me. It's in your trust in me. You know, if you just look to the prayer that Jesus modeled for us, not a prescription. It's not what we're supposed to pray it's a model for how we're supposed to pray. The very first thing that Jesus says is this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, magnified, worshipped be your name. Look at the approach of Jesus in prayer. He's seeking the Father. He's not seeking things. And if I could even make an attempt at trying to verbalize the heart of God in my, with my feeble use of words. The best way that I can describe it is this, that God is saying, you're praying without trust. You're not getting it. 
You think that this is about the bread that feeds your stomach and this is about me and how I want to nourish you. I believe that right now in this holy moment, we've had a personal encounter, not with a preacher, not with a church, not with a building. We've opened our hearts and our minds to God and his word, to the voice of God. And I know this to be true because, look, I may be sharing this message, but I'm on the receiving end of this message too. I'm no better than you. Nobody's better than anyone here. Last time I checked, no one's arrived. But we have the opportunity to leave those simple ways, those ways where we're, st where we're stuck. And it starts with this. God, today, I hear your cry, and I open my spiritual eyes. This is your desire. This is your will for my life. I want you to do something with me right here, right now. I want you to close your eyes. And then I want you to open your eyes. Stop. Some of you didn't get it. Close your natural eyes. And open your true eyes. And see what God is showing us. My son, my daughter, my child. The reason why you've been bumping into so many different areas in life is because you've been approaching this blindly. You've been praying. You've been crying out to me. But what you're wanting is things. And today I want you to see that I want you. And I want you to want me more than anything. And if that would be your heart's cry today, if you would open your spiritual eyes, if you would meditate upon the word and renew your mind, if you would become a student of the word of God, if you would pursue and chase after God and get past the superficial church experience and get real about God, and get real about what his word says, and get real about his promises and purposes for your life. If you would get involved in everything that has to do with God and God only, you would find that the temporal things that you've been keeping your physical eyes on will be supernaturally met. Because Jesus said, if you seek first my kingdom and its righteousness, all these things will be added to you. You're worrying about things. We should be worrying about our personal relationship with God. Father, today we turn to you. We open our eyes. And hey, if this applies to you, Lord, we repent. Not about feeling sorry, not about feeling bad. Lord, we acknowledge how we've been approaching not just prayer, but this whole walk of faith. And Lord, today we open our eyes. And we see you, Lord, and we want you, Father. And we want your kingdom to operate here in our lives and through our lives just as it operates in heaven. To that measure and greater. Lord, we believe in you and we put our trust completely in you. And Lord, I thank you, O oh God, for the miracles that are going to be unleashed in this house. Through this house. In the lives and in the lives of those of each and every person here. Because, Lord, today we see... We see the truth. We see life for what it really is, and we trust in you. It's very possible there's someone here today, maybe you're joining us online. And you, for the very first time, are realizing, man, I thought I could see. But I recognize I've been blind. Don't beat yourself up, my friend. You just saw the truth for the first time. And from this day forward, because you see what you also recognizes this, that in that truth, you also see the one that spoke it. It's God himself. He's speaking to you. And if you believe that today, if you acknowledge that God has spoken directly to your heart, then I want you to do something with us here. We're going to pray a prayer of declaration of faith. 
you got to put your trust in God, but you got to see what he did for you first. And what many people fail to realize is that sin isn't the things that we do. Sin is what we were from the moment we were born because the first man dropped the ball. So how do, how do we undo that? Well, we can't. Thus, the scripture says that Jesus came in the form of a man and died and paid the price for us. Why? So we no longer have a debt to pay. And the moment there's no longer a debt to God, here's what there is. There's a new life. There's freedom from the weight of sin and death. There's a new beginning. If you believe that with us today, congregation, let's pray this together. Man, if that's you, if you're in this house, and even if you're online, I want you to do something bold. I want you to raise your hand unto God and surrender to him. I want you to let us know that you've made this decision. Man, maybe you grew up in church and you just walked away. Man, well, today is the day that you come back home. Today is the day that you get back to seeing truly what life is all about. Say this with us. Say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you love me and you paid the price for my sin. You died and you rose again. Today I declare that I see you as my Lord, as my Savior, as my God. And from this day forward, I'm walking into a new life. And I thank you because I see the brighter future you have for me. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.